God, help us today as we look at your word, as we look at this part of the story that you have revealed to us about what is coming. We pray that our souls would rejoice in it and would find comfort. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you like to know the end of the story? Um, Christine and I, for a season, we, we watched quite a few Hallmark movies. Do we, any, any other of you watch any Hallmark movies? They're, they're all the same. So about five minutes into the movie, I turn to Christine and I say to her, do you want me to tell you how this one ends? And it's not that I've seen it. It's that I, I can pretty much figure it out. The, the main guy and the main girl, they're going to get married, okay? So um, I've yet to be... I haven't tried it on everyone, but uh, pretty much any, any of you can do this. It's, it's fun to do. You can give it a try. Uh, we were wa- actually watching a Hallmark show this week, and the, guess what? The main character, the guy and the girl, they were going to get married, but there was a plot twist in this one. They were getting frustrated with their wedding plans, so they said to each other, why don't we just elope? And they said yes. And they actually packed up and they headed out of town. And I said to Christine, that's not very Hallmark-like of them to elope. And sure enough, shocker of all shockers, they didn't elope. They went and they're going to have the big old grand wedding. So, Or I have a question for some of you. Uh, have any of you ever gotten a book, either you buy it or you, you loan it from someone, and you fully intend to read the book, but instead of starting at the beginning, you start at the end. Has anybody ever done it? Raise your hand if you have... Okay, some people have done that. Sometimes you just want to know emotionally what you're getting invested in before you actually read the whole thing. So I'm not against that. It's just... Uh, I know that some of you like surprises. But, uh, or here's one for, for those of you kids that are still in here. Have you ever watched a movie like ten times and still the tenth time you watch it, the surprise ending is still a surprise? Pride to you, and you're on the edge of your seat, and you're you jump up and down when Lightning McQueen finally wins the race again, like you know he was going to do. Now I get that there are again are some of you who who don't like to know the end of every story before it ends. Uh, you like a little bit of a surprise, but I would also like to suggest that when we're talking about matters that are much more important, when we're not just talking about a movie or a book, when we're talking about our life there is something very comforting in knowing the end of the story. And when we're talking about the Bible and God's plan for us, we have seen some amazing things that God has revealed to us about what will happen. Things that our souls can rest in and say, yes, God will do this for us. We're walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians here in our morning worship services. We're in chapter 4 today. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, we learn a lot about the powerful impact of the gospel. And one of the things that I want you to understand today is that the gospel will continue to have a very powerful impact in our lives all the way through the end. You see, the gospel is the good news that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to our world to take our sin upon himself. It's the good news that because he died taking our sin penalty upon himself, that any one of us who receives him as Savior and Lord can have complete forgiveness. And it's the good news that God will bring to completion what he has started. There's that beautiful verse in Philippians 1 where, where Paul tells us that we can be assured that what God has begun, he will bring to completion. So you see, the gospel isn't just some historical lesson. It is that. It's true history. But the gospel is also the message that we look forward to as we think about that time when God will bring us to be with him forever. And in our passage today, we're going to hear about some of the end of the story. Now, spoiler alert, uh, for those of you 
Uh, don't plug your ears. You already know this one anyways. It works out really well for God's people in the end. Now, specifically in our passage today, we are going to learn about the rapture. Now, the word rapture isn't in our passage, but the word comes from a word that's in our passage. In verse 17, there's this phrase, caught up together. In Latin, that word caught up is rapio, which is where we get our word rapture. And the word literally means to snatch. It's used in other contexts in the Bible. There's one story that you might remember in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul, there was a threat on his life and he was under the care of, of the military at this time, and there was this threat, some people were going to come in and, and steal him away and kill him. So the commanding officer snatched Paul, or, or you could say he raptured Paul out of that danger and brought him into some place safe. That's the idea behind this word here, that, that God is going to do that with his people. He is going to snatch us up out of this wicked world, out of the danger that will come. Now, since we're going to talk about the rapture, I feel like there are a few comments that I should make before we really get into it. So, first of all, we don't know when it will happen. Jesus said this, two verses actually, Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And he also said, Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So the purpose of us talking about the rapture today is not to get a date on our calendars. We will not know that. Now, it is kind of interesting. He, he tells the people there to keep watch. In fact, twice he told them to keep watch. So there is this idea of we should, we should maybe know when it might be coming, but we won't know exactly when it's going to come. And perhaps even better than maybe knowing when it might come is this idea of being ready whenever it might be. And I think that's what Jesus intends to say there when he says keep watch. When Jesus comes, he will want to find us faithful and doing the work that God has for us right now whenever it is that Jesus would come, we should be doing what we're supposed to be doing. So talking about the end should urge us to live the right way right now. Does that make sense? As, as we're thinking about that time when Jesus will come, imagine that moment. And this is, people talked about this a lot like 60 or 70 years ago. They said, don't do anything right now that you would be ashamed of if Jesus were to come. And, and I think that's, that's a good tip for us because we know that God sees us in all that we do anyways. So we should live our lives as if we are ready at any moment for, for Jesus to come again. And then one quick note on the timing of the rapture as well. I'm talking about the, the end times today, and um, the, the rapture and the end may not happen at the exact same time, but it's all part of the same time. So I'm going to kind of talk about them like, like they're one event today. And I, and I know theologically that there, there's differences in there, but for our purposes today, we're just going to talk about, when we talk about the rapture, we're going to talk about the end because that's one of the things that happens in the end. Um, a second thing I want to say about the rapture, talking about the rapture shouldn't lead to arguments or debate. Instead, it should lead to encouragement. I want to show you the last verse of our passage today. It says, Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, that might sound strange to some people because for some of us, maybe all we've ever heard about the rapture is argument and debate and disagreement. But that's not the point of the rapture. <laughs> the point of the rapture is to tell us something good about what, what God is going to do. And we'll talk about that encouragement that we can all get in regard to the rapture. Um, among evangelical scholars, there are at least five different views of how this passage will play out, of, of how the rapture is going to come, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion in a, in a little while. But on this topic, I think it is wise for us to learn to agree to disagree. 
on this topic. Now, I don't say that about every topic. If somebody were to come to us and say, well, I've studied the Bible, and I don't think that Jesus really was raised from the dead, I would say, hang on a second, that's not okay. That's, that's not what we believe. But on this topic of the rapture, if somebody puts it at a different part of the tribulation than I put it, they're studying their Bible and they come to that conclusion, I think it's okay for us on this topic to say it's okay to have some disagreement as long as we're studying the Bible and as long as we agree that Jesus is coming back. That's the good news of this. We know that Jesus is coming again. As he left his, his first appearance here, he went up into the clouds in heaven and the angels told the disciples that he was going to come back the same way. So we are still waiting with joy for that moment to come again. And we believe that it will happen. And we don't know all the specific timing of it. And Jesus said we wouldn't actually know all of that. So it's okay for us to have some disagreement on the timing of the rapture. I like how one pastor put it. Years ago, in regard to the rapture, I moved from the planning committee to the welcoming committee. Isn't that great? The, the planning committee, as if we could tell Jesus when he's going to come. Instead, we want to be the welcoming committee that whenever he comes, even if he comes at a different time than I thought he might come, I'm not going to say to Jesus, wait, wait a second, you had to wait three and a half more years. No, when he comes, I want to be with him. And then one more thing that I want to say before we jump into our passage is that this rapture message is very much part of the good news of the gospel. It is the heart of the God who loves us that he would rescue his people out of danger and bring us to be with him forever. It's a wonderful, wonderful part of the gospel message. Okay, our passage today, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So Paul's telling us why he writes here in verse 13. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. There are things that God has told us about the second coming that, that we should know. And specifically here, we are to know about God's plan for those who have fallen asleep. Now, fall asleep is just a euphemism for death. Oftentimes in the Bible, they use softer language to talk about death. I, I think it's a good thing to do. But this, this sleep here means death. And just a quick side note here. On verses like this, some people try to interject this idea called soul sleep. That would be the idea that when we die, our souls go to sleep until the end times, at which time they'll be uh, awakened to be with Jesus. But I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. There are at least four Bible passages, I believe, that, that clearly teach that those who die with faith in Jesus Christ will be immediately in his presence. One of them um, is the, the parable that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus. Remember that parable? Two people died, one went up, one went down, but they were both very conscious and very aware of their surroundings. Another one is 2 Corinthians 5.8, which says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So the, the idea is, when, when we die, our body... Uh, 
you know, they, they place it in a grave or it gets cremated or something, and, and that's what happens with our body. But Paul said in that verse that we would be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And we await then that time when the resurrection of the body will occur. But it actually says in our passage today, Jesus, uh, listen to this. Um, uh, where is this here? We'll, we'll bring with him. Somebody shout that out for me. I just can't find it here real quick. But um, he's, Verse 14, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Thank you for whoever was that said that. Uh, so so the, when the rapture happens, Jesus is going to bring the souls of the people who have departed in him with him, and the bodies are going to be raised, and there's going to be this resurrection body thing that will happen that 1 Corinthians 15 teaches us about. So this sleep here that we see in 1 Thessalonians 4 is, is just a nice way to talk about death, but it's, it's only the body that sleeps the soul is either going to be in the presence of the Lord or, for those who don't believe, away from the presence of the Lord. And, and Paul's message in this verse then is that we should not grieve about those people who have died like the people of this world grieve. How do the people of this world grieve? They grieve without hope. Have you noticed how much our, our world struggles with the idea of death? All you have to do is watch the news and any time there's a, a murder or a tragedy in which somebody dies, all that they have to say about it is that it's a tragedy. And, and I agree with them on that point, that I think God agrees with them, that, that it's a tragedy when a life is taken. But that's not the entire story. There is hope for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. For those of us who lose our loved ones, but they had hope in Jesus Christ, we don't have to grieve over them as if it was just a senseless tragedy and that's the end of the story. I think what these verses are telling us is that there is hope. Um, there's an old quote from a man named Theocritus. He said, Hopes are for the living, the dead have no hope. Isn't that sad? Or think about it today. One of the, one of the common ways that people think about death today is that it's inevitable, and the best you can do is get as much out of life as you can before death comes. This is maybe made famous by the movie The Bucket List, which I think is actually kind of a, a neat movie. But we, we shouldn't believe everything about the message in that movie. You see, in that movie, the idea is you, you do all the things that you can do now because you won't have time for them when you're dead. You can't do them when you're dead. I actually, my, my opinion is very different on that. I have things on my bucket list that I'm going to do after I die. I think God is going to have some amazing, amazing things for us to do. And that means that in this, I don't have to spend this part of my life worrying about doing all that stuff that I want to do because I believe that God will fill me with eternal pleasures at his right hand. I heard one theologian say that um, he wants to, uh, I think he said, die with a full bucket. Or, or, uh, what did he, no, I'm sorry. He said, I want to, I want to be able to, to empty out my bucket to give to other people the things that I can give now in preparation for eternity. I think that's a better way to look at it. Because the, the people of this world see the looming prospect of death as a shadow that's about to overtake them. And the best they can do is run as hard as they can until that shadow overtakes them. But that's not what it is for us. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have hope in the life that is to come. So yes, when a loved one dies, we have grief. Um, I don't think this passage is telling us not to grieve. In fact, I, I would say that it's unhealthy not to grieve. But what does this passage tell us not to do? It tells us not to grieve without hope. 
In our grief, we remember the hope of Jesus Christ. And we read about that hope in verse 14, where it says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. This is the gospel message. Jesus died and rose again. And all who believe in him will get to live with him forever. It's wonderful news. Now the reason we needed this gospel message is because of our sin. The reason that we were in a spot where we needed to be saved is because every single one of us had chosen the path that led us away from God. And the proof is in our actions. Every one of us had taken that path that would have led us away from God for all eternity unless God stepped in. But that's what God did when he sent Jesus Christ to rescue us from our sin. So when Jesus came the first time, we're talking today in our passage about the, the second coming of Jesus, but now we're looking back to the first time when Jesus came, we recognize that he took our sin penalty upon himself, that he died for us. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he had power over death. Therefore, anyone who believes in Jesus, we get in on this hope of eternal life as well. So when we grieve, we should not grieve without hope. We get eternal life, and when Jesus comes again, he will bring the finality of that to us. You see, in a spiritual sense, when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we died with him. His death was counted to, for us, and his righteousness was given to us. I love how Romans 6 puts this. I want to read for you verses 8 through 11. It says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. That might be a memory verse for some of you. I love that one. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And then verse 11 is fascinating to me. We, we get that those things are true of Jesus, but look what verse 11 says. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus died once, he can't die again, he lives forever. For those of us who believe in Jesus, that's true for us too. Yes, our bodies may die unless Jesus comes first, but the truth is we have life in him and we are to count ourselves dead to sin but alive to God and we get to live forever with him. And then as we move on to verses 15 through 17 of our passage, we see some of the specifics of how God is going to bring this about. In verse 15, let me read that. It says, According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, we might think that those who are still living will get to be the first to experience the rapture, because usually that's the way we think of things, that living people get to experience things, but that's not actually what it says here. In fact, if you go ahead to verse 16, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. This is part of the resurrection of the dead that we believe in, that God will bring life to our mortal bodies and will we'll somehow miraculously join our souls again with these new resurrection bodies and it'll be a glorious thing. That's going to happen at the rapture. And it's the, the people who get new bodies are obviously the ones who are raised from the dead, but it's us too. According to 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about um, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. So the rapture will be for all of God's people. For, for those who died in Christ and for those who are still walking by faith and who are alive at the time of the rapture. And in verse 16, we're told some more of the specifics about how the Lord will come down from heaven. There will be a loud command, a voice of the archangel, and a trumpet call of God. These will be 
unmistakable events signaling the end of times. These will be something that nobody could fake for all the world to see and hear. And when these things happen, the rapture will happen. Okay, now let's get to that point of this sermon that some of you might have been waiting for. What does Pastor Eric believe about the rapture and when it's going to happen? Well, again, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't have a date on my calendar. Uh, But we do have some things revealed to us in God's Word about the sequence of events. And and this, again, is where I have an opinion, but I hold this opinion loosely because I certainly am not going to hold so tightly to my opinion that I'm going to reject Jesus if he comes at a time I didn't expect him. Okay? So let's all... I think that on this topic, again, we can agree to disagree. So if you, if you disagree with my opinion on this, that's okay. The important thing is that we're studying the Bible and we're waiting for Jesus to come again. Because it's not about a debate. Um, in fact, my position changed slightly two years ago. In fact, one thing I say, uh, one of the marks of a good theologian is a willingness to change his opinions when things uh, become clear to him. So... What theological stances have changed in your opinion in the last few years? Uh, it's, probably, it's probably good if we have some things that have changed. Um, so I changed my position two years ago. If you remember, at Cornerstone, we preached through the book of Revelation. And uh, if you want some more specifics on what I believe, I, I, had it, I, I spelled it out more in Revelation 10 in that sermon there two years ago. For me, the word I key in on in regard to the rapture is the word trumpet. The trumpet comes up in four different passages in the Bible, and I believe that all four of them are talking about the rapture. In Matthew 24, Jesus says that the angels will gather the elect after hearing the loud trumpet call. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52, it says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we, all, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now, all debate about the rapture aside, aren't those wonderful verses? Again, we we might disagree on when this is going to happen, but look at the truth in that. That that God is going to do this thing, and boom, we're going to be changed, and it's going to be glorified bodies to live with him forever. It is fantastic news. The fullness of the blessings of the gospel will be poured out on God's people. It will happen when Jesus comes again. It will happen through the rapture. Now, for me... I just simply focus in on this, this phrase, especially there in, in verse 52, where it says, the last trumpet. So Jesus talked about a trumpet when the elect would be gathered. In 1 Thessalonians, it talks about a trumpet with the rapture. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about the last trumpet. And then in Revelation 8-11, through 11, it talks about seven trumpets. And if I'm doing my math right, the last one would be the seventh one. So that's why I put the rapture right there at that seventh trumpet in Revelation. Now, that puts me somewhere in the middle of the tribulation. And again, I might be wrong on that, but it just seems to make sense to me that there's, there's these cues in other chapters in the Bible that tell us that this last trumpet is going to be when God brings his people to be with himself. But what we should all agree on, again, is that Jesus is coming. God will bring his people to be with him forever. And then getting back to our passage in 1 Thessalonians, in verse 16, I would just want to point out that phrase where it says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? They are the people who died still believing in Jesus. From the moment they received Jesus, ideally, this is the way it would happen, from the moment they received Jesus until they died, they were walking by faith with Jesus Christ. And unless the rapture comes and we're still alive, I want that to be us. I want us to be those people who cling to Jesus. 
That if we die, that we would be the dead in Christ. Like it says in the famous hymn, uh, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to thee. That's a, that's a prayer worth praying. Let me never, never outlive my love to thee. We want to be people who keep watch, who wait faithfully for the Lord, who do those things that God has prepared for us to do, eagerly expecting that he will come again for us. And if he comes while we're still alive, what an amazing sight that's going to be. And if we die first, we trust that God still has a good plan for us. And, and that's, as I think about whether we live or die, I think that's the reason Paul wrote this passage, is because he didn't want us to be ignorant of those who died. Like, oh no, they didn't make it to the rapture. No, no, that's not what happens. God has a good plan for all of us, even if we die before Jesus comes again. Okay, let's move on to the first part of verse 17 now, where it says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Again, this is where we get our, our word rapture from the Latin of one of those words. Now, some theologians talk about this. Oh, did Paul expect that he was going to be alive at this time? Because he says, we, we who are still alive will be caught up with him. I, I don't think so. I think that, that Paul knew that he could very well be in either one of those two categories, either those who lived until the rapture or those who died before it. I think Paul just didn't know when the rapture would happen, so when he spoke about the rapture, he just spoke about it as if he were going to be one who was alive, uh, just because he didn't know whether he would be or not. Um, I do want to key in on one of the words in this verse, the word meet. It's an interesting word. It's a, it's a technical term. So picture this. Picture a, a foreign official coming to visit us. We can even put this in, in today's time and age. Uh, somebody important is coming to Fergus Falls. And uh, maybe they're going to fly into Fargo. So what would we maybe do? We, we might send a delegation to Fargo to meet that important official and, and welcome them then on their way in. So the, the idea of this meeting is that the meeting happens not where you are, but it happens on the way in from the other person's perspective. And that's what's happening with the rapture, that, that Jesus is going to come to the earth, but look where we meet him, in the clouds, in the air. Look, to me, it sounds like a fascinating ride, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. I'm not really a ride person, but that one, sign me up for that one. And then we get to the part of the passage that, as I was reading and studying this, it just put a huge smile on my face this week. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Isn't this beautiful? Remember, this passage was written as an encouragement to believers. Do you ever feel like life isn't going your way? Do you ever feel like it might never go your way again? Be encouraged. Jesus is coming again. And in Christ, we know the end of the story. And yes, Jesus himself promised us that we would have trouble in this world. He said that in John 16, 33. But do you remember the end of that verse? He said in that very same verse, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So please know that even if you're going through some really tough struggles right now, that God has a very good plan for you, and it ends with glory. We may have to go through some of the purifying fires. We may have to face persecution like Jesus did. We may have to still deal with some of the consequences of our own sin in this life, but God has a plan to bring us to be with him. So I love this. 
we will be with the Lord forever. This is what I call the biggest blessing in the Bible, the blessing of God with us. The whole purpose of the gospel message is that we would be cleansed and forgiven so that we can be with God forever. God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to remain separated from him. He doesn't even want us to have to live in in this life right now where we have to walk by faith all the time. He wants us to walk by faith. Don't don't get me wrong there. But he wants to bring us to a time when it will be face to face. There's that song, Our our Face Shall Be Our Eyes, that, that we will get to see him face to face and to live with him forever. When God sent his son to this world, he died. But that was not the end of the story. Because if you read the next part of it, he rose again. And if you read the next part of it, he went up to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where he lives and reigns forever. And that same God who did that for his son will do that for the rest of his children, for you and me. He will take us to be with him forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And I, I hope you see now why debating about the rapture is out of place. I, and, and fine, it's okay. If we're going to be charitable about it, sure. We can, we can tell each other what we believe. We can, can encourage each other. Hey, maybe you need to look at this passage and, and see how it plays in there. And, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe you can help me. But let's not miss the point. Jesus is coming again and it is wonderful news for his children. He's going to bring us to be with him forever. And again, we face hard times here. But think again about those Hallmark movies. In pretty much every Hallmark movie, you can almost set your clock by it, about two-thirds of the way through the movie, there's some plot twist that happens and it looks like everything's going to fall apart. Anybody ever gone through that in life? But what always happens in those movies is that they get back together again and they get married. And, And that's just a movie. We have to go through some difficult times in this life, but God is going to bring his people to be with him forever. It is a sure thing, as sure as anything you know. God will do that for his people. He's already shown us his power over sin and death and the devil through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That same Jesus is coming again. Be encouraged. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, we're talking about the powerful impact of the gospel. And I want you to see today that the powerful impact of the gospel will continue through the end. That God will bring his people to be with him forever. Now, in in most of my sermons, I end my sermon with an application with something I want you to do. And, And oftentimes, I try to get them to be really practical things that we can do as we try to live out this passage. But today, I want you to leave knowing something. I want you to leave today knowing that God will take his people to be with him and that it's good news, and that he wants your soul to rest in that. That as you go, I I don't like this idea that we come to church and maybe we put on a fake face and pretend that everything's okay, and then when we go back to real life, it's like, oh yeah, I don't like this life. I, I hope that's not the way it is. I hope we come here for encouragement, and when we go back to our life, we remember, oh yeah, God is with me in this. Oh yeah, God has a good plan to take me to be with him forever. And today I want you to to leave with the assurance that God has a good plan for you. And that plan includes the rapture and it includes us being with him forever in his presence in the perfect place with glorified bodies where there's no more sin, no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more curse. And we'll be with him forever.
Don't forget the end of the story. It can be easy to forget it as we go through this life, but don't forget the end. Please remember God's very good plan to take his people to be with him forever. Be encouraged. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for telling us the end of the story that you love us so much that you want us to be with you forever and that nothing can get in the way of you doing that for your children. God, we thank you for what you've told us about the rapture. We look forward to it, whether we're dead or alive. Thank you for the resurrection bodies that will come. Thank you for your plan to bring all of us, even our loved ones who died in Christ, that you have a good plan for them too. Help us to remember as we go through the difficulties of life that you want to go through it with us. God, I pray that the certainty of the second coming of Jesus Christ would encourage us to live faithfully with you every day of our lives until he comes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.